You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Hello, my name is Joe. Welcome to The Joe Martino Show. Uh, We're going to jump right in today. The summer is winding down. I'm starting to see back-to-school pictures on the ever-present Facebook. Uh, I know my own kids are down to just a little over a week, I believe. Uh, So I thought about talking about how do we deal with changing of seasons. I think that'd be a fun conversation for us to have someday. How do we handle the changing of seasons uh, from... You know, not just spring, summer, fall, winter, but start of school, end of school, uh, toddler to whatever's next to tween. I know people hate that term. Some people hate that term to teenager, to early teens, to mid teens. You know, right now my son is starting kindergarten this year and my oldest daughter is starting driver's ed. So there is a bit of a gap there in the seasons that we're experiencing as a family, as parents, and we're processing them differently because they are different. I want to talk about that today, and then I also want to talk about uh, people pleasers. If you're a people pleaser, I probably have news that's going to tick you off, but if you get past your anger, it will set you free, I promise. I always feel like that would be a good time for a commercial right there, like when I set it up like that. Be a good time for a commercial. So this segment of the show brought to you by the Joe Martino Counseling Network. All right, hopefully you're laughing a little bit along with me this morning. Uh, Let's talk about this transitions. How do we do transitions? Whether your daughter is going to college or your son is starting high school, all of those moments are seasons of transition and change. And one of the things that I think happens is we get caught up in the transition, the change, or we're waiting for it. We're either caught up in it that we're anxious about it. And so we're we're looking to, well, how do I get there? How do I get it done? I got to get all these things done. I got to get this lined up. Got to move this. And, and, and we're so forward focused that we fail to look at the moment. We don't live in the moment. We don't enjoy the moment. And so we get caught there. We're so worried about, well, school's coming. Oh, I don't want school to come. Oh, I can't believe it's happening. My daughter's, my oldest is going to college or whatever it is. And we get so wrapped up in that future event, which is, it is coming. It's about to be the present, but we miss the present that we're actually living in. So one of the things that I tell clients or anybody that I talk to about this regularly is just enjoy the moment. Right. Let's just step back from change for a minute and just talk about people. You know, people in summer complain about the heat and they in the fall, they complain about the lack of daylight in the winter. They complain about the cold and the snow in the spring. They complain about the wetness and the humidity, like just complaining all the time, in part because we fail in two great ways. We fail to be present and we fail to be thankful for the present to just enjoy the moment. So I've had a great summer with my kids. My wife and I are talking about this over the last week. It's been probably the best summer in a long time that I can remember. And I'm sad that it's ending, but it is ending. And if I'm going to transition into this fall well and do it properly, I'm going to need 
to, to spend time here, enjoy this, lament it, and at the same time be thankful. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, Joe, you're contradicting yourself. You said lament it and be thankful. I think we have a false dichotomy in our society that we can't be sad and thankful for something at the same time. In other words, you can be thankful for what was and at the same time grief. You can be sad. You can be disappointed. You can dislike the cold and be thankful for the fact that you get to experience the weather in the winter. You can hate the heat and be thankful that you're alive to experience the heat. Right? You can lament that there was you know, 80 degrees and a light breeze last week. And this week it's 97 and no breeze and no humidity or all humidity. It's okay because being alive is a gift. And so as we cultivate an attitude of thankfulness, or as the, those who've come before me and wanted to sell books, an attitude of gratitude, what happens is we start to be more present Because to be thankful for the moment you're in, you have to be in it. In other words, there are a lot of people that experience moments, but they're not actually in them. They go through them. They go through the summer. They go through the fall. They go through the winter. They go through the spring. They take their kids to school. They have their kids at home, but they're never actually in the moment. They're always looking to the next moment, or they're always looking back to the last moment. Right? That's the other side of this that I haven't quite gotten to yet is we're either so looking forward to the, to the next moment that we, we fail or, or we get caught up looking in the, the past moment that we fail to just be present, right? Uh, there, there are people, when our local schools got out, there were people who were talking about how much they hated summer and they hated their kids being home, which is a position I don't understand. And that's fine. It's, there's not judgment here. I just don't understand why you want your kids gone from you 40 hours a week. And that upsets people when I say that. But part of it is, I'm going to just throw this out there. My job is to talk about things that make people uncomfortable. A lot of those people struggle to be in the moment. They struggle to live in this moment. So when their kids are rambunctious and being kids, they struggle to enjoy that. And yet I think of the country song, someday you're going to miss this. And we're like, no, I'm not. And yet I've never met an older person who said, I I don't miss it. I don't miss it at all. Now, sometimes they'll say that, but the more you talk to them, you're like, well, no, they actually really do miss it. They just have come to terms with it, which is a great thing. That's healthy, right? And so people get caught up. They're either looking at what was or they're looking back like, oh, I wish my kids were all babies again, or I can't wait till my kids are out of the house. Just enjoy the moment that you're in. If you want to be better at transitions, if you want to enjoy transitions, if you want to enjoy change, You have to be good at being at the moment you're in. And you have to be good at cultivating thankfulness for that moment. Finding the things that you're thankful for. Every morning when I wake up, I'm thankful. Every morning. Because there's a whole lot of people born in the same year that I was born that didn't wake up this morning. Oh, Joe, that's heavy-handed. No, I don't really think it is. Either every day is a gift or it's not. And part of it is, is, is like many gifts that we get regularly, we just take life for granted. Dealing with transitions comes down to being able to be present, being thankful, and accepting what is. You know, my wife was talking to a friend of ours who uh, 
grew up, or didn't grow up, but spent part of her youth in another country. She's going back to that country. And they were talking about how the majority of the people in that country have absolutely nothing. And yet they're happy and they're thankful. Because when you have nothing, you learn to live in the moment. And I sometimes worry, worry is too strong a word. I sometimes think that maybe our affluence is causing us to not be in the moment, to not look at the moment that we're in and be thankful for it and appreciate it and just be there. Now, at the same time, yeah, if your kid's going off to college this year, it's hard, especially if it's your first. I guess, I don't know, my kids haven't done it, but my guess would be that's very difficult. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to lament. It is okay to have negative emotions and to process them. It's okay to be sad this summer's over. Or if you're one of those parents, I don't understand it, but we could talk someday, I'd be happy to, who you're sad that school's over and summer's starting and you're happy that school's starting. Maybe it brings uh, routine to your kids and your day and that works better for your family. All of that is fine as long as it doesn't happen to the exclusion of being present in this moment and being thankful for it. The key to change is being good with the present. Uh, I have five life rules that I share with my kids regularly. Uh, One of them my wife quotes a lot, and that is life changes adjust. Life just absolutely changes. We all say, I don't want a stagnant life. But then when changes come, we struggle with them. In part, I believe, because we fail to be present for, we fail to be thankful for the present moment. In other words, The more thankful you are now, the more easily you can make a transition into the next thing. Because most of our distaste for changes, we're not sure that we'll like it. But if we are cultivating thankfulness and gratitude in the present moment, we don't have to worry about whether or not we'll we'll like the next thing. Because we'll learn to be thankful for that. We'll learn to be grateful for that. And we'll learn to live in that present moment. So as we transition into fall, yeah, my wife and I and my family, we're making plans. We're going to do things. And we are planning to enjoy them, to be thankful for them, to be thankful for those opportunities. And at the same time, we're going to totally live in today. We're going to totally enjoy the moments that we have today. And we're going to have an eye on the future events. We're going to try to appropriately plan. We're going to have an eye on past events and we're going to remember them and be thankful for them. Far and away, I am the most or the more sentimental one in our our family. I have pictures on the wall behind me from various things that we're doing. I'm going to order more of those pictures soon. I have photo books and I have all sorts of things that we can look at to remember the past. But not with a yearning, not with a... Oh, I wish I could go back there to the exclusion of this moment. Even down to terribly, excruciatingly painful things like my mom being gone. I'm thankful for every moment that I had with her. I regret some of the moments that I could have had with her and I chose to spend with other people. And I am sad that she's gone and that she's not here today but I'm still going to enjoy today. And at the same time, I can lament those things. My dad, he lives 10 hours away. 
I can be sad that I don't get to see him as regularly as I would like and still be thankful and totally in this moment today. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Be totally present in today, in the time that you're in, and be thankful for it. Cultivate thankfulness for it. Cultivate thankfulness for the hard times, for the good times. Cultivate a persona of thankfulness. If you can develop these two skills, being present in the moment while still seeing the past and planning for the future and being grateful for it, I think you'll find that your transition times come much easier. Your changes of seasons come much easier. You'll learn, your brain will learn to find things in the heat that you enjoy. Your body will learn to seek out things that you enjoy in the cold. At the very least, be thankful you woke up today. Because not everybody who was born, heck, not everybody who was born on the day you were born woke up today. All right, so let's talk about what I actually really wanted to talk about this morning, uh, or whenever you're listening to it. I record these in the morning. So uh, what I actually want to talk about was this idea of people-pleasing and what's actually at the root of somebody being a people-pleaser. What's actually at the root of somebody who quote, and I'm quoting like people that I've talked to who, who self-identify with this. I always do everything for everyone else. I can't say no. Right? And they position it as they're selfless. They position this problem, air quotes, as though they're just the most selfless people you would ever meet. And as long as you accept that, you're good to go. Here's what happens in the room when I have that conversation. I often suggest that people pleasers are really just very selfish people. Their end beneficiary is them. That's why they get angry when they don't benefit from it. Right. And so my wife and I, uh, it, being married to a therapist, we have a lot of uh, conversations about this. We were talking about this idea and a client that another therapist. So there's a third therapist in the conversation, not actually in the conversation. They're talking to us for a consult was talking about how one of her clients was a people pleaser and it was destroying the marriage and what we thought she should do, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things I said is at some point that client has to be confronted with their selfishness. You see, people pleasing is often rooted in selfishness because you don't want people to get mad at you. I don't want anybody to ever get mad at me. I don't ever want to ever want anyone to be frustrated with me. And the proof's in the pudding on this one, as, as my parents used to say, because when you don't get back what you thought you should, you get angry. Right? I was talking to a young man years ago now. He was actually a pastor at a church, and we were talking. He was talking about the hardest part of his job was he, was, he did everything for everybody, and when he needed a little bit of help, it never came back. And there was this intense bitterness in his soul coming out in his words. And I suggested to him that it was because he was selfish that he didn't say no. That his lack of proper self-care was actually rooted in selfishness. And good self-care would be rooted in appropriate self-view. And he found this very frustrating. In fact, I have found that most people I have this conversation with find it very frustrating. So I usually draw out a little diagram. I draw a stick figure with a circle, and I'm not a very good artist, but based on what I've seen at a local art show called the uh, Grand Rapids Art Prize, I could be. 
Uh, and so I draw this, this stick figure and I put it in a circle and I say, okay, this is you. So I want you to draw that out. If you're driving, just draw it in your mind. And then underneath it, I want you to write the phrase, I do everything for everyone. I always help people. And then I want you to draw an arrow going left to right from your stick figure to another stick figure. And above that stick figure, I want you to write everyone else. Underneath them, I want you to write, so that when I need help, they can help me. And then I want you to draw the arrow back to you. Alternately, you could also write below that with another little maybe asterisk or bullet point because I don't like people being mad at me. It doesn't matter what sentence we use. They almost always end in at me's. That means the action that I'm doing, the inability to say no, the, the I do everything for everyone is rooted in I want a positive outcome for the at me's, which is me. If I'm doing something for you so that I benefit, I'm at the very best, I'm just self, I'm do, seeking my own self-interest. If I get angry because I don't benefit the way that I feel I should have, I'm selfish. You've got to see this because the key to freedom from not being able to say no is killing selfishness. It's being able to tolerate people being mad at you. It's being able to tolerate people being upset with you. It's being able to tolerate people being frustrated with you. Because when you can do those things, you're now forming boundaries. But if you're going to form boundaries, you have to be able to tolerate people being mad at you. You have to be able to tolerate people being distressed with you. You have to be able to tolerate the idea that somebody may really dislike you and you could have solved that air quotes by just doing something, even though it would have been unhealthy to do. Right. And I know this, this sounds strange because it sounds almost paradoxical. And in some ways it is, you can't be healthy if you can't say no. And if you can't say no, there's probably more going on than you're, you're worrying about what other people say or think for them. In other words, it's rare. Rare is the person that we find as therapists who can't say no because it's truly 100% concern for the other person. They exist. Those people are out there and maybe you're one of them. But most of the time, the inability to say no is rooted in a person's lack of willingness to have people be mad at them, lack of willingness to have people be upset with them. It's rooted in people's desire to have everyone like them no matter the cost. Or it's rooted in people who keep score, right? So maybe you and I go out to dinner and I pay. Well, then the next time you feel like you need to pay. Don't do that. If I buy you dinner, it's because I wanted to buy you dinner. I don't need you to buy me dinner. You're like, wait, Joe, what just happened? Well, because, right, on that side, so on the first part that we talked about here, people, they, they can't say no because they want people to like them no matter what. They don't want anybody to at them. They don't want anybody to be distressed with them. On the second part, it's people who keep score. And sometimes those, sometimes those people live in the same body, right? So they keep score. So if I give you a book, you have to give me a book. If I buy you, take you to the movies, you have to take me to the movies. But you don't. Really what you need to do is just enjoy the moment. That's why these two go together so well, these two topics today. 
Right, because when you keep score, then what happens if you buy me dinner and I don't buy you dinner? You get mad. You have me over to your house for dinner and I don't have you over to my house. It must be because I don't like you or I'm unthankful or I'm a jerk or whatever. Or maybe it's just my house is being remodeled and I don't have anybody over right now. But that doesn't come into play because you're keeping score. Right, so the first people don't want anybody to be mad and the second people are keeping score. And sometimes both those realities exist in the same place. And so what happens is, is they can't say no to anybody because then that puts them at a deficit in the score. So if you ask me to come over and help you move and I say no, well, then what happens if I need to move in two years? And a lot of this comes back to we don't really know what community is. As much as we use the word today, we don't really seem to live it out very much. We don't actually help our neighbor much anymore. That's a whole different day. We don't help without strings. In fact, in my book... The Emotionally Secure Couple, I make the distinction, or excuse me, I make the statement that love that's given so that I can get something in return isn't love, it's manipulation. And here's the really hard truth for most people that can never say no. They're actually world-class manipulators. I'm just going to go on record and say that. I've said it to people in the room. I've said it eyeball to eyeball to people hundreds of times. If you can't say no, there's a really good chance that you're a world-class manipulator. Now, it's not 100% zero. It doesn't mean that that isn't part, that, that true... Uh, desire to help other people isn't part of it. But if you get angry when it doesn't come back around, then you're a manipulator. That's a really easy test. The last time you asked somebody to do something, if they said no, did you get angry? If you did, there's a pretty good chance you're a manipulator. Do you keep score? If you do, there's a pretty good chance you're a manipulator. At the very least, you have a distorted view of love. So if you want to get good at saying no, at holding boundaries, you have to develop your sense of love and you have to give without the expectation of anything in return. Stop keeping score. It's imperative. I see this all the time with husbands and wives. Well, why do I have to clean the dishes when he cooks? He doesn't do it when I do it. Okay. You don't. But a relationship that's growing doesn't keep score. It doesn't. It doesn't have manipulation. You will never manipulate your way into health, ever. You'll never manipulate your way into love. You'll never manipulate your way into anything good. Manipulation is a poison, and its fruit will always be poison. So if you struggle to say no, if you can say no, let me encourage you today that you can. What you need to start working on is a proper self-view and you need to stop keeping score. You need to understand what boundaries are. You have to. And that's a great discussion for another day. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you did, please feel free to give us a rating in the iTunes store or Google Play, wherever you're at. If you have any questions or comments, snide remarks or statements of fact, please send me an email, info at joemartino.com, info at joemartino.com, and please put in the subject line podcast information. All right, everybody, have a great day. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at joemartino.com. You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the Contact Me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.